Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Today, let's get into the Word today. I'm, I'm excited about this Word. It's already had time to germinate, to grow. Uh, it's kind of like, it gets better like wine as old age gets better like wine. This has been a two-day, two two-week uh, uh, preparation, so I might go three hours today. I don't know. So if you get up and leave, it's okay, but uh, we're just going to have a good time. Amen? But I want to talk to you today about B. B. If you have your notes, you can see on your notes it says B. Believe, believe in God's word. You have to believe in God's word. If you believe, the Bible says in Matthew 21, 22, if you believe, you shall receive whatever you ask in prayer. So the first B is believe, believe in God's word. You have to know that God's word is the manuscript. The Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth that you have to believe in God's word and what he said is true. You can't waver. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So the first thing you have to do is believe in God's word. And then the second thing is become what God says that you have to become what God says. What does God say about you? God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he's made you special. You are tailor-made. But some of you have carried labels into your life. And here are some of the labels that you've carried since you were a child. That, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not worth this. I'm not qualified. I'm not adequate. I'm not pretty. I'm not this. I'm not that. And so you have carried your labels into even your relationship with God and has faulted your relationship relationship with God and has hurt your relationship with God because you're not becoming what God wants you to become. And so you got to shake that stuff off and say, God, I'm going to become what you want me to become. And then this next one, be blessed as God's word says. Be blessed as God's word says. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept, rule upon rule. That walk out God's word, and as you walk out God's word, you will be blessed. A lot of times I hear people say that God's word and God's restrictions or God's ways are constructive or they're controlling. That God's way, God's word is so controlling, it confines me, it holds me back. But you know what? If you have that kind of attitude, it's going to be that way to you. You have to look at God's word and say, God, these are the guidelines or the principles or the steps that I need to take in my life to help me to be blessed. God doesn't want to confine you or control you. He wants to bless you and help you and guide you along your life. And so in doing that, you follow his word, and that will keep you out of situations or troubles in your life if you follow the word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. You know what? Everyone loves to be blessed. How many of you know that you love to be blessed? You know, you love to be blessed. My grandkids, man, they just had a grand a birthday. And, man, I'll tell you, he, his birthday, my, Maddox, his birthday was number two birthday. And my daughter did it in cars. And she had the car poster, you know, the movie cars, and had the car posters and all that kind of stuff. And, man, they were FaceTiming him when he was doing his cake and all that kind of stuff. And he was so happy. Papa, Papa, I got my little baby. He calls them baby cars, little small little baby cars. And he was excited about being blessed and all excited and so on and so forth. That Man, I got blessed. We all love to be blessed. But you know what? There's a cost. I want you to hear this now. There's a cost in being blessed. 
You know, a lot of times we think that things are free, but there's a cost in being blessed. You know, I don't know about you, but I love watching the Olympics. Are you watching the Olympics? Man, ain't it great? I tell you, I'm having fun watching the Olympics. It's not the same because the fans are not there. But one of the things that really, really, really hit home to me was if you saw the swimmer who won the gold in the 400 meters, you see that? He won the 400-meter swim, and he won the gold. But after he got done winning the gold, you know what he did? He got out of the water, and he collapsed there right on the pool. And he collapsed there on the pool floor there, and he was celebrating in victory because all the hard work, energy, and effort that he put into that race, he won. And I mean to tell you, man, he put his life, blood, sweat, and tears into winning the 400 meters. And it was like a, a, a joy, a jubilee, just like, man, I did it. I arrived. I, I, I made it to the top. And in life sometimes it's going to be hard and blessings don't come automatically. There's a, there's a price you have to pay. And if you notice the Olympics, some of those Olympians, they're only there for one event. It could be the 100-yard dash. It could be the 400-meter swim. It could be the gymnastics, whatever. It could be one event. But you know what they do? They pour their life into whatever event they are into. And hopefully they'll obtain the gold in the end. Things don't come just free. I look at doctors. Doctors go to school. My son went to school for seven years to become a doctor like he is today. He called me, and he was now in Chandler, Arizona. He said, Dad, he said, man, things are busting at our, our, our practice. He said, we saw over 305 patients this last week. He said, Dad, he said, all the times I went through school, the seven years that I had to go through school and all the studying and all the things that I had to go through and the times I wanted to quit, the times I wanted to give up and times I wonder if it was really worth, man, studying this hard. He said, now, Dad, it's all paying off. I'm seeing the reward of my hard work. I'm starting to be blessed. 305 five patients we just saw, Dad, this week. You look at auto mechanics. I look at Kevin and I look at uh, 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 Aaron over here. and They're auto mechanics. And auto mechanics are always having to study to learn about the new cars today with all the electronics and the admissions and all the things that they're putting onto new cars. They're always having to study or prepare to keep up with the, the, the changing of times. And in life, in life, if you have your notes, Every reward comes with a price. Get that. I want you to hear this now. Every reward comes with a price. It is not free as you may think. Are you getting that? It's always you have to put effort and energy behind whatever you're doing. Hard work, staying strong, and staying the course pays off if you do not Quit. The question is, maybe you're not being blessed, and maybe things aren't happening in your life the way you want them to because you quit. That's why Galatians says in Galatians 5, verse 9, do not become weary in well-doing, for at a proper time you will, you shall reap a harvest if you do not quit. The question is, have you quit? And if you're quit, then don't complain and murmur if you're not being blessed like the person maybe to the right or to the left of you. 
You have to continue to progress and put your hand to the plow, as it says in Luke 9, verse 52. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. You can't look back at yesterday. You have to look at today. You have to look at today. And this is the great thing about today. Today, this is the day the Lord has made. I will, I shall rejoice in it. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. But today is a gift. And you have to celebrate where you're at right now and do the best where you're at right now. Now with God. But in Matthew chapter 5, it's called the Beatitudes. In every verse of Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12, it starts about blessed. But with being blessed is also consequences of being blessed. So it starts out by being blessed. And I will have to confess to you that I can't hardly see. So today you guys look like a bunch of marshmallows. I'll be honest. I don't have my contacts in, so I, I, I forgot them, and now you, you guys look like a haze. So I, I, I can see the silhouette of you, so you can make faces at me, whatever. I can't see you. Amen. You can even throw a tomato at me, and I'll, you'll probably hit me because I won't be able to duck. But anyways, it starts out by being blessed. Now watch this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's as poor in spirit as that God I humble myself in the sight of the Lord, and God, you will lift me up. That, God, you look for empty and not full. God, you look for me to be open to you, God, open, broken, to receive all that you have for me. So if you do that, he calls you blessed, for it is the kingdom of heaven. But then he goes on in verse 4. Watch this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In my weakness, God, you're made strong. I'm not going to try to take it into my own hands and try to fight the battle on my own. God, I'm going to give it to you because the battle is not mine. It's yours. So, God, I may go be going through this morning stage in my life, but, God, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to trust you. And if I do, I'm going to be blessed. You see, with every reaction, there's a rea with every action, there's a reaction. You're blessed. That's the action. The reaction is that if you mourn and as you humble yourself before God, that's when you're going to be blessed. Look verse 5. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. God, I'm going to be meek but not weak. God, I'm going to let you become big in my life. Lord, I'm going to let you become the Lord and Savior of my life. Then verse 5, blessed are, the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You notice what it says again? If you have a hunger, an appetite, a desire for God, you will and you shall be blessed. Some of you are wondering why you may feel dry as toast and empty and maybe not sensing God or his spirit or his presence or even hearing his voice anymore. Maybe it's because you lost your appetite for the things of God. You can't expect his blessings if you're not striving after him. He says if you hunger and you thirst, he will fill you up. And the Bible says in John chapter 7, verse 38 and 37, he says streams of living water will flow from within them those who come after him. If any man is thirsty, let him come. Then streams of living water will flow from within him. What does streams of living water do? It refreshes, it revives, it strengthens you again. You have to have a hunger for God. David said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after thee, having a hunger for God. Then he goes on to say in the next verse, he said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God, man, have mercy on me, have mercy on them. So many times, you know what mercy means? Understanding the situation or need that that person beside you might be in. 
Everything that Jesus did, he walked with mercy and compassion. He understood you right where you're at. But what's happening with our lives today, we have become the society of becoming judgmental instead of walking in mercy. We have become judgmental. We're, we're always trying to take the speck out of somebody else's eye before we take the log out of our own eye. And so it says, you will be shown mercy. Look at this, the verse 8. Blessed are the, the pure of heart, for they will see God. The pure of heart. God created me a clean heart. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit in me. Some of your prayers is not that. Here's what your prayers are. God created him or her, my daughter, my son, my aunt, my uncle, my husband, my wife, a pure heart. And God's not saying that. He's looking at you, and he's saying everything starts with you, creating you a clean heart, clean in me, God, not in somebody else. God, look at me first. A lot of times we don't like to look at ourselves because we don't like what we see. And what God does, he exposes. After all, isn't the part of the Holy Spirit light? Light exposes darkness. And once God exposes that in you, you have a choice. Either you're going to hold on to it or you're going to let it go. That God created me a clean heart in my life. I'm not pointing fingers at this person, that person. God, look at me first. Then he goes on to say this. I love this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You know what we've come to a society now? We've come now with a clenched fist. When Jesus walked on this world, in this world, he walked with an open hand. And when my father, my third father, excuse me, my second father, when my second father came into our lives, at first he was a great man. And when he would reach out his arms, man, it was a sign of love or embracing. But once he married my mom, his hand of embracing and loving turned into a fist. And every time he would reach out, man, you know what, I'd flinch because I was afraid, are you going to hit me or are you going to love me? And you know what's happened to our society? We used to be a church or society that reached out in love. But because of all the situations that are going on in our world right now, we're walking like a church with clenched fist. What has happened to the love Love your neighbor as yourself. And if we are peacemakers instead of war destruction, we'll change our world one person at a time by the love that we show towards one another. Then he goes on to say, watch this. He says, blessed are those who persecute you. How many of you know the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a bullseye on your back? I'm going to tell you that right now. Why do you think the enemy is like a lion roaming to and fro looking for whom he may devour? He's trying to devour you. What does he say in John 10.10? I come to kill, rob, and destroy. The moment you accept Jesus, he's got a bullseye on you. He's trying to kill, rob, and destroy. But how does he do that? He does that through people. You know, the enemy uses other people to hurt people. How many say amen? And how do they do that? They persecute you by the words that they say, false accusations, things that they do. Man, all these things are what people will do. But you got to keep this in mind. you got to remember they're not persecuting you. They're persecuting who you stand for. That's why Jesus said, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects the one who sent me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Christ that's in 
you and what you stand for because righteousness brings conviction and conviction brings either transformation or pain. Then he goes on to say, watch this. He says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. How many ever had that happen before? Amen. Man, they said this at my job about me. They made up this gossip line about me. They said this about me. They said, it's not true. It hurts, don't it? Remember the old cliche, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Words do hurt, don't they? Words are what stick with us. It's easy to ask for forgiveness once you say them. But you know what? The person that you said the words to, it rings loud in their minds. That's why you got to be so careful about what comes out of your mouth, what you say to one another, what you say to your spouse, what you say to your kids. You got to be so careful about what you say. No matter, you can forgive them a hundred times. Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But you know what? It rings loud in the person's heart on what you said it to. You got to be so careful. That's why it says the Bible says, put a guard on your mouth. Watch what you say. Then he goes on to say, falsely say all kinds of things. He said, rejoice and be glad. Because, I told you, I can't hardly see. I'm seeing a fog up there. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I love this. If you look at those, if you look at those verses, I want you to see the three categories in which they break down into. If you have your notes, they break down into the three categories. Number one is this. Verses 3 through 5, it deals with the dependency on God. Verses 3 through 5 says, man... I'm going to put my hope, my trust, my dependency in you. We sang the song today, I will put my trust in you. Trust means, God, that God, I don't understand. Man, I don't understand, but God, because you said so, I will do it. That's what trust means, that God, even in the midst of my confusion, my understanding, God, I'm going to trust you because you know what's best for me. Another one is this, verses 6 through 9, deals with living for God. Living for God, that God, I want to be all that I can be for you. After all, what does Christian mean? Christian means Christ-like. That God, I want to be Christ-like. I want to be living for you. First John 2, 6 says, he who claims he lives in him must walk as Jesus did. So God, I want to live it out for you. I don't want to just be talkers, God. I want to be a talker along with my walking. I want to show people that I can live it out for God. Another one is verses 10 through 12 is deals with being the example of God. Being the example of God. You know what they say? How can people know or see Jesus if they don't see it in you? If you're not being a representation of Jesus. You know, I, I always have parents, they come into my office and I have parents that come into my office when I'm counseling with people, and, and what they'll do is they'll come in and they'll come broken, and they'll come ashamed, and they'll come embarrassed, and so on and so forth. And they'll come in because of this. My son and my daughter did this. And they're more broke up about what their son and daughter did because they're concerned about what others think. So they're, they're hurt that my son and my daughter brought this shame into my family. They brought this pain to my family. She did this and she did that and he did this and he did that. And it's brought shame to our family, to our reputation, to my character, to my name. And what happens is a lot of times is that, listen, we are examples of Christ. 
with pain or without pain. You'll never know your character and Christ that lives in you if you don't experience some pain. Somebody say amen. So your dependency on God, you have your notes, your dependency on God. What does that mean, dependency on God? Dependency on God means this, dying to the flesh. Dying to the flesh and living for the spirit and the things of God. God, I, I die to my will to take up your will. Lord, I, I just want to be all I can for you. As Pastor Andrew mentioned, he was at youth camp this last week, and Pastor Katie and Pastor Caleb are coming back from vacation. All our staff was gone this week, and it was crazy, but it just happened to be this week, and, and so all of them are gone. But you know what? What does every one of these staff members do? They teach your kids. They teach your youth. They teach the adults to be dependent on God. God, I, I, I need you. I, I can't do this on my own. God, I, I, I need you, Lord, in, in my life. I'll tell you, man, just, just my wife being gone since Friday, that we, we left on Thursday, and so I've been away from my wife since Thursday, and I went to Iowa, stayed in Iowa with, with Kristen, my daughter-in-law's parents, and I stayed with them for, th uh, th for Thursday night till Friday, and now to yesterday and today, just being without my wife for four days, I feel empty. I told her last night on the phone, I said, honey, I want you home Monday. <laughs> you know why? I have to be so dependent on my wife. Here's a, here's a victory for me. Here's a win for me. I get lost in my own backyard. <laughs> my wife is my atlas. So if you would call me to come over to your house today, forget it. My wife's not here. <laughs> I depend on her. She directs me. She guides me. She tells me to go left. I don't hesitate. I go left. She said, go right. I go right. I depend on my wife. I'm absent. I'm not complete. Tom Cruise, you complete me, baby. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Dependency on God is that, God, you're my all in all. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul is talking to the church in Galatia there. He's saying this. Says, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, I died to the self. John the Baptist says, I decrease God that you may increase. In other words, dying to self. He said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It's no longer my way or the highway. It's your way, God, and that's it. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm here to tell you today, don't you know that you are special in the eyes of God? Not only are you special in the eyes of God, but he chose to live in you. He saved the wretch like you so he can live in you and through you. In your DNA, your blood is flowing with the blood of Jesus. He lives in you. You are special in God's eyes. When a mosquito bites you, he goes away singing, power in the blood. <laughs> I mean to tell you, God lives in you. Why? Because you emptied out so he can come in. You see, you got to take away the sign on your, your forehead where it says no vacancy. You got to take that sign off your forehead and say, listen, Lord, there's a lot of vacancy for you to come into this temple. You have the full reign in this hotel. Every room of my, my being, God, live in me. 
Amen? Now watch what he says. I love this. He said, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see what he's saying? The life I live now is not of my own. It's not of my own. I, I don't look for my own selfish gain. Lord, I, I look for the needs of others. Our model around here that I say to my staff all the time, find the need and fill it. Find the need and fill it. Find the need. What is the needs around you? Who are the people you can bring a cup of water to? Lord, I want to be your hands and feet extended. I want to be that God that what you want me to be. But then he goes on to say in verse 21, watch this. I do not set aside the grace of God. In other words, I don't set it aside. God's forgiven me. I don't take it for granted. He said, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. God, thank you for what you've done for me. And because what you've done for me, God, I'm going to put my hope and my trust in you. In verses 3 and 5, it deals with the mindset, an attitude that, God, you are my everything. Some of you have to change your stinking thinking. You have to change your attitude. Your attitude determines your altitude, how far, how high you're going to go with God. If you have a low, poor self-esteem, poor attitude towards God, you can stay down in that muckety-muck, I'm going to tell you right now, but I'm going to fly. And some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Why? Because I have my dependency, my hope, my trust in God. God. My mindset is on you. What God wants to come to you, he wants you to come humbled, broken, and open for more of him. God, I humble myself. Humble myself in the sight of the Lord, James says, and he will lift you up. God, I come humble. I don't come with my pride because pride goes before fall. God, I admit my frailties, my weakness. I admit that, God, I need your help. I admit, God, that I can't do this on my own. I admit, God, that this is too big for me. That's what humble means, but broken. Broken means, God, you're going to take my mess and give me a message. You're going to turn my scars into stars. You're going to take my stumbling blocks and give me stepping stones into that which I'm going through in my life. I come broken. God, I don't come with all my talent, my charisma, my looks, this, that, and the other thing. God, I just come broken because, God, I want more of you. And God can take your brokenness and give you a message that you can proclaim the good news of Jesus to others. The other one is living for God. God, I, I want to live for you. I, I don't know about you, but. I look at this life, and they say the average life is 76 years old. Matter of fact, for those who, for those who wanted to know about Rose, Rose Wondra, her funeral is going to be on Friday at 3 o'clock, I believe, the, t the time changed or whatever. It's at the Covenant Church across the street from our old church, and I will be at that funeral. But Rose and Scott Wondra, and she went on to be with the Lord. And you know one of the things that came to my mind that I know that Rose lived for the Lord. And because she lived for the Lord, I know that her destiny is with the Lord. That's the benefits we have. But listen to this. In verse 5, you must hunger and desire for more of God to be able to live for God. Hunger for more of God. Can I ask you, what has happened to our hunger 
You know, I've talked to pastor friends all around the states, from New York to California and back in between. I just was at a church there in Branson, Missouri. When I'm not in church, I go to church. And they usually run about 3,000 people. But because of COVID and because people have become comfortable with where they're at now with church, their attendance has dropped 30%. And the attendance across the board in the churches have dropped 30% because people have lost that hunger and that desire. They become complacent with God and the things of God. They say they're watching it online, but it's not the same thing watching it online. For those who are watching it online, I pray that they're being blessed, and I'm happy that they are. But I understand what your pastor is saying. We lost our cutting edge. We lost our hunger. We lost our desire for the things of God. We've become complacent, and the Bible says if you're lukewarm, he will spool you out of his mouth. God, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be hot or cold for you. Place a hunger back in my life. Can I ask you, where is your hunger? Where is your appetite? Where is your desire for the things of God? You know, the Bible is the number one selling book, but it's the number one least read book. A lot of us have a Bible in our house because it's our safety net. Oh, God knows that I love him because I have a Bible on my shelf. It's kind of like the elf on the shelf in Christmas time. I got my Bible on the shelf, the Bible shelf. We got to have a hunger. You see, listen, God wants to come to you. He wants you to hunger for him. What you hunger for, you will go after. What you hunger for, you're going. I, I have to confess this. Man, over the nine days, I don't think I've seen Wendy's, Arby's, you know, Hardy's, you name it, uh, uh, Culver's. I've been to every hamburger shop there is. I mean, to tell you, Chicken McNuggets, hamburgers, they're wore out. Can't you tell? Amen. I tell you, I brought every kind of Happy Meal. Our kids, our grandkids got every kind of Happy Meal toy. And you know what? I'm not happy right now. Amen. <laughs> not happy right now. So you know what I did? Last night when I got home, I called Edie or Mom. I called Edie and Mom last night. And you know what I did last night? The first thing I did, once I got my trailer unhooked and everything like that, I went over to Four Winds, and I'm here to tell you right now, center, center, down below, pucker up and let it go. I brought me the biggest steak. I'm going to tell you, I put that bad boy on the grill, and I mean, I was proud and loud eating every piece of that. Mmm, no more Wendy's. Mmm, no more Arby's. No more chicken McNuggets. Man, I mean to tell you, I didn't even know what a steak tastes like after that. I mean, I forgot what it tastes like. I'd be like, ooh. But you know what? I was so hungry for it that I went after it. And what you're hungry for, you will go after. You'll go after what you're hungry for. So you got to decide, what am I hungry for? Listen, have you lost your appetite for the things of God? Have you lost that appetite? That God has become mundane. He's become dry toast to me. I've lost my appetite. One of the things about the church today, I hear all this stuff and pastors, why aren't you preaching on this and why aren't you preaching on that? Well, you know, let me tell you why I'm not. I'm trying to point you to Jesus. And once I point you to Jesus, you'll get boiling hot for Jesus. You know what? Then we can start changing things. But the church has become asleep. And we got to wake up and come alive for God and let our light shine. And it only happens if we hunger for God, that God, I want more of you. When's the last time you really laid down, man, on the floor and just cried your eyes out and bent a Joshua in your sack clothes and said, God, all I want is you. All I want is you. Listen, our appetite, where does it, listen, has God become an acquaintance instead of a friend or a savior? 
Has he just become an acquaintance? Beth Midler used to sing the song, God is watching you, God is watching you from a distance. I don't want a distant relationship with God. I want an intimate relationship with God. You see, listen, religion is man's search for God. That's what religion is. But I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. Being intimate with my God. God, I want to live for you. I want to be more like you. You see, if you're around certain people certain time, many times, you're going to start acting like them. You're going to start being like them because you're around them. You want to start living for Jesus? Be with him in his word. I love this. Has God been put on the sidelines and you only need him? In your crisis, we have turned God into the God of crisis instead of the God of the cross. God, help me in my crisis, and then, God, I'll give my life to you. It doesn't work that way. Maybe it's time to change your diet and mix things up. What, <clears throat> just like we did with the different kinds of food with our kids, I kid you not, I brought this big old bag of animal, animal crackers at Walmart, big old bag like that because it's cheap. And it's a good snack to give grandkids, right? You know, I gave those turkey heads, those animal crackers two days in a row. The third day, Papa, I don't want that. What do you want? I want something different. Well, don't you like animal crackers? Well, we had them two days in a row. <laughs> Be quiet. Just eat them. Let me know what I'm talking about. What kind of like that with God? God, this is boring. Do the same thing. It's mundane. It's routine. Maybe it's time to change your diet plan. Here's the diet plan. God's diet plan is maybe read his word. Everything starts from his word. Thy word have it hidden. Read the word. Pray. Praise. Meditation. Church. Get involved with church. Don't forsake the assembly of the brother. Get into involved in the small groups. We're going to start this back up in the first in September. Podcasts. Man, I listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot of different things to keep myself sharp. Reading good books. Man, you got to keep your relationship with God. After all, God said the joy of the Lord is strength. And God said if his, the joy in me is strength, then where is your joy at? Your joy is because you, God has become an acquaintance with you instead of a relationship with you. You have become boring, not God. After all, you know what? I went to Wisconsin Dells, and I love watching people. And I mean to tell you, people come in all different kinds of shapes. There were some times I sit there on the bench and say, put it back on, put it back on, put it back on. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. And God is fun. But we have made him boring. And God wants you to change up. Just listen, listen, listen to this. His word is the foundation of your diet, but mix it up in other ingredients to add flavor. Oh, it's like, what do you mean? Read his word, then pray. I do that. I read his word, I pray. Another one is read his word and praise. Man, add spice to your relationship with God. Don't have to be the same thing over and over again. Everything starts with the word, but then add a little flavor to it. Add a little spice to it. Praise him. Another one is this. Read his word, then meditate on his word. Be a cow and chew on that word. Chew its cud. Man, what is it saying to me? How can I apply it to my life? And how can I share it with others? And then another one is this. Then read his word, then share it. That's where we get stumped at. But you know what? I find that when I share God's word, it sharpens me to do better, to even get deeper into God's word, so that when I do share it, I'm more qualified. 
It's fun sharing God's word. So look at this. The reason maybe you have lost your appetite for the things of God is you are making him bland. You're making him bland. My wife cannot eat spicy food. She can't eat any of that kind of stuff. So guess what I am? I'm the guinea pig to test her foods. She has to eat everything bland. So when she cooks for me and my grandkids or my family, she has to have me to be the taste tester. So I'll say, oh, honey, it's good. How can you tell it's good? I don't know. Why you try it? I can't. It's good. Some of us have made God bland. And your relationship is mundane with God. And you know what happens? When your relationship gets mundane with God, then guess what you turn into? Complainers. And when you know what complainers do? Oh, God, don't hear my prayers. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care. God doesn't manage, man, love me like he loves this person, that person. Oh, the church ain't doing this, and the church ain't doing that. And they not off. You see what happens? We turn into complainers instead of praisers. We turn into complainers instead of praisers. When you lift your praises up, his blessings come down. And what happens is when you start doing that, you know what? You will eat the words thereof. The Bible says that your words have power in life and death. And you will eat the fruit thereof in what you say. And some of you, man, are complaining. Guess what? The old enemy's got his peanut gallery saying, you're right. Yeah. Hey, preach it. Go for it. And it feels good at the time. But it's only temporary. God is a fun God. Enjoy his company. Go ahead, Pastor Andrew. Last one is this, the example of God. God, make me an example of you. You will never know your character of God until you are under fire. You'll never know what's in the toothpaste until you squeeze it. You'll never know the character of God until you're under fire. Notice what it said in verse 10, persecuted because of righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness means this, taking a stand for what is right and not comfortable or conforming. Taking a stand for what's right. That God, I, I want to be an example of you. I'm not going to be the frog in the water and just become comfortable and taking it as norm and doing what the crowd says. Do you know when Cheryl and I went to Alaska, we had a chance to go to Kitchikan, and that is the capital, salmon capital of the world. And if you go into Kitchikan there, man, there's, man, millions of salmon all in the banks there, just all over. But you know what? Those salmon know that they have to go against the flow. They go upstream and not with the stream. And they know that, man, by me going upstream and them going upstream, that they're going to lose their life. And they go upstream to get to the place where they spawn their eggs. And after that, they die but they bring life by the new eggs. But they're willing to go against the norm, even if it's costing them their life. And what happens with us sometimes, we forfeit the blessings of God because we want to be popular, we want to feel comfortable, we want to blend in, we want to feel comfortable. Taking a stand against sin is not easy. You ever notice sin? What's in the middle of sin? I. You know why? What happens when you sin? I gets in the place. I gets in you. And when I and pride get together, you start to sin.
and we take a stand for what's right. It's easy to sin, but what's right? Taking a stand for morals is not easy, but it's right. Taking a stand for morals, and it's right. People will dislike you because of your stance, but it's right, and it's rewarding. They're, gonna, they're just going to dislike you. You know what conviction does? Conviction is revealing. It, it's lightning. Conviction doesn't try to, to condemn you. Conviction tries to change you and transform you. It reveals it to you that you have the choice to change. There's a difference between condemnation. Condemnation will hold you, confine you, and put you down and make you feel like a loser. I love this. Jesus calls us blessed for taking a stand and that we will enter into heaven. God, I, I take a stand. Even though, God, it may cost me the insults, the persecution, the ridicule, but, God, I take a stand for what's right. I take a stand. Our stand is not our own. It is the word of God and it's truth, guidelines and commands. That's what I take a stand for. It's not on my own things. It's what God's word says so. We have watered down the word of God to make it conform to our needs. I remember, and I close, when I was going to a private high school, when I was going to a private high school, I went to Racine St. Catharines there in Racine, Wisconsin. And I remember that they would have nuns that were some of the teachers and so on, but they would stand at all the intersections in the hallway. And you know, back in those days, man, if you ran in the hallway, you know what happens? Man, you got thrown in the principal's office. CJ ran in the hallway. If you got caught chewing gum, man, you would get suspended for a day because they had all these strict rules. Then they had a dress code. I mean, to tell you, we had a dress code, and, man, I had a dress in corduroy jeans and shirt and a tie, and the girls had to wear their plaid blue shirt, uh, short, uh, skirts with a white top. And you know what? Through the course of time, all that kind of went away, and they softened and became more relaxed. And you know what happened? We get, got out of the dress code in my senior year. They finally let go of the dress code. But because it was a doctor's school and a lawyer's school and all these wealthier kids, the girls thought it was a pageant. They thought it was a glamour pageant. And so what they did is they came all dialed up every day. And you know what happened? Those girls would fight. You talk about the movie The Mean Girls. I mean, to tell you, you should have saw. And they would always get on the PA. Hey! If you don't knock it off, we're going to go back to dress code. So you know what us guys did? We said, enough of that. Girls chase guys. Guys chase girls, right? So we had them. You know what we did? We all got together, the guys. I never forget this. Never forget this. We met in the gymnasium. All this, no kidding. True story, Tamara. True story. We got in the gymnasium there. We seen St. Cats, all the guys. And we said, we got to knock this off. And what we did is we began to put the pressure on the girls. If you don't knock it off, we're not going to hang out with you any longer. And we started putting the pressure on them. And before you know it, guess what? It all died down. 
and school became as normal. My point is, it's about time that the church starts putting the pressure on the world instead of the world putting the pressure on the, us. We need to rise up and say enough is enough. I am who I am, and I'm not ashamed. As it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am who I am. See, Jesus calls us to be blessed. Good always overcomes evil, but evil always will put up a good fight. People will call you legalistic. Be ready for that. Goody two-shoes, but Jesus will call you his child. I don't care. You call me legalistic. You call me whatever you want. You call me old-fashioned. You call me old school. That's okay. The Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 2,000 years ago, it's the same as it was back then. It is now. It is there. I don't try to change it. I don't try to rearrange it. I don't try to read between the lines. I don't add or subtract from the Word of God because I will be rebuked. So I follow God's Word. Amen? Standing for it is right is not popular. It goes against the norm. But it's what's right. Do not quit being dependent on God, living for God, or being an example for God. Will you stand with me today? My challenge to you today, let's be all that God wants us to be. Stephanie, I'm so proud of you. You talked to me before service about some things that she's taken a stand for. And I mean to tell you, I can't believe what, what she said and she's taking a stand, Patty, for that. And I'm so proud of what you said to me today. You know what she's saying? I, I'm going to take my stand. What do you need to take a stand for? What are you maybe compromising in that you need to quit and start taking a stand for? What do you need to change in your life to say, man, God, I want to live for you. I don't only just want to live for you, God, but I want to be an example for you. God, I just don't want to be talkers. I want to be a walker for you. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Father, this morning, I pray that you will examine each and every one of our hearts today. That, God, you will see us right where we're at. We're not here to point fingers at him or her or ask you, God, to change this person or that person. God, start with us. David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. And I pray that, God, you will do that to each and every one of us today. We can't expect to be blessed if we're not doing the protocol, what you're asking us to do. And that protocol is not to confine us, condemn us, or control us. It's to guide us, to direct us, and protect us, and lead us down the path of righteousness for your name's sake. And I pray in Jesus' name that this morning, if there are those here today that need to make things right with you, that, God, that they will do so right now. That they will make it right. Say, God, I'm not living right for you, and I need to change my direction. If that's the, oh, God, I pray you speak to their hearts. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, please, the very sacred time. You say, Pastor, I need to change the course of my life. I need to change what I'm doing. I need to change. If that's you, just lift your hand up. You say, Pastor, you're talking to me. There's one hand already. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I need to change. I need to make it right. I need to make it right. Another hand. I need to make it right. I need to make it right. I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. You say, Pastor, I need to make it right. One. Anyone else say, Pastor, I need to make it right. Yes. 
Anyone else? Three hands. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I need to make it right. Yes. Anyone else? Four hands. Say, Pastor, I want to make it right. I want to change my course. I want to make it right, too. Anyone else? Three. You may put them down. There are four people that raised their hands today. And I'm going to ask my altar workers to come out, if you would, please, just to step out. But here's what we're going to do today. My altar workers, they're going to be here to pray for any of you today. And I'm not going to call out those four because I want just to be private between you and God. But if you raise your hand and others, they're not going to know if it was you or others. But if you mean business with God and maybe you need prayer, maybe you're going through a physical situation, you need guidance or direction, I want you to step out. Just to step out right now. Just step out. You need prayer. Come on. Come on. You raise your hands. You need prayer. There's one right here, Scott. Come on. Right in this gentleman right here, Scott. Scott, pray with him. Come on. There's people that raise their hand. Come on. They're coming. They're coming. Come on. Come on. Don't be afraid. Come on. Don't be afraid. We're a family. Change your direction. Change Becky right here. Right here. Come on. Come on. I need some prayer warriors. Come on up here. Come on. Come on. Come on, altar workers. Come on. There's another one coming. Come on. Where's my altar workers? I need my altar workers to come and pray. There's people up here. There's a lot of people coming now. Come on. Come on. Patty and Art, come on. I need you to come. Coming up. Come and pray right here. Come right here, Patty and Art, right here. Amen. Tamara, I need you to come pray with these ladies right here. Pray with these right here, these individuals. God is moving in this place right now. God is moving in this place. Anyone else, you say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need to change the course of my life. I need to change. Why, why be the same way you are? Why be miserable when you can be free? One, anyone else that say, Pastor, I need prayer. Anyone else? Two, let me pray over you this morning. I want you to know this pastor loves you with all my heart. I mean that. I mean that with all my heart. I'm so stinking proud of you, man. Way to go, buddy. Way to go. You are a man of God. I don't know who you are, but I, the Lord's telling me to tell you that right now. You are a great man. Stop being so hard on yourself. You are a good man. You hear me? That's what God's telling me to tell you. You are a good man. A good man. You're a good provider. And God's going to do some big things for you. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You've been in a decision, God. Give me wisdom. And God's going to grant that to you. Amen. Let me pray over you this morning. Receive what God has. Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I love them so dearly. Man, we missed them while we were gone those days. But God, you brought us back to this wonderful and great family. May we be a church, God, that will rise up and hunger and thirst for more of you. Each and every day of our lives, may we change our diet plan if we feel like you're becoming bland or routine or in a rut, God, that will change our diet plan to make our relationship exciting with you. Lord, we are blessed only when we walk it out. We talk is cheap, but action is deep. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you will bless this congregation. Go with them as they go their ways, Father, for we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise this morning? Can we do that? These altars are still open. If you need prayer, Quinn's down here. God bless you today. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, 
please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.